From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory, your weekly download on how to untangle healthcare's most pressing challenges. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. It is no secret that the industry is still, still in the midst of a serious workforce crisis. And I know that organizations have been trying a lot. But if I'm honest, we keep going back to the same legacy strategies. We keep focusing on short-term solutions. Today, I want to talk about a non-negotiable tactic to actually address the root causes of clinician burnout and workforce shortages. And that's technology. To talk about technology and its role in enabling the workforce, I've invited two advisory board experts, nursing expert Allison Piwanski and technology expert Jordan Peterson. Hey, Allison. Hey, Jordan. Welcome back to Radio Advisory. Thanks for having us. Jordan, it's been about a year since you've been on. Allison, a little longer? Yeah, I think last October I was on. And Jordan, I think it was last fall as well. Yes. We talked about technology last time with you, Jordan. Did we talk to you before ChatGPT launched? We did. Or did that happen after? No, we talked before, and it's actually kind of funny because last time I was on, we talked about digital consumer experience, so very much focused on the patient. And then today it's the other end talking about clinicians. And so much has changed in a year. Like, true, dramatic changes have happened in technology. Allison, we talked about nursing and the workforce the last time that you were on. That's one where I think things, unfortunately, so are similar. pretty similar yes. to how they were last year. Yeah. So we are going to have this conversation about technology, and I'm going to be honest from the start, I think it is really, really easy to get wrapped up in some buzzwords, some terms that don't make sense. I'm, of course, talking about AI. Everyone wants to talk about AI, and that's that's a piece of it, which we'll get to in this conversation. But when we say technology, when we're talking about health technology, particularly technology that can help the workforce crisis, what the heck are we actually talking about? So our team has done a lot of thinking about this and have had a lot of discussions as we've been embarking on this clinical workforce technology research, because like you said, technology is so broad. It can mean so many different things, especially when we're talking about clinical workforce technology, because if you think about it, technology is in every part of our lives and every part of clinicians work. Um, So we will talk about a lot of different kinds today, but how we've been thinking about narrowing it down is focusing on the technology that helps clinicians do their job better and was implemented for the purposes of supporting clinicians. Yeah. And I really want to make sure we're grounding ourselves in that piece, which is supporting clinicians. And that's why you're here, Allison, and why you were here more than a year ago when we talked about this conversation last. And I'll be honest, In 2023, I'm still seeing a lot of organizations put time and effort into things like recruitment and retention. Not saying that's bad. They're putting a lot of effort there. Uh, A lot of folks are still hiring contract labor. A lot of folks are still focused on overtime pay. I want to be clear. Every single one of those strategies is short term. 
It's all about how do I get bodies in the door. None of them actually address the drivers, the root causes of burnout, things like administrative burden, repetitive tasks, below licensed tasks. My question is, why, Allison, why still are organizations so hesitant to run at those root causes? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with like, these are the strategies that we've relied on in the past. You know, if we, we've we done all of these recruitment retention practices in the past and it helped us then. So you're almost stuck in this mindset of like, if I just keep doing it, if I keep, you know, throwing like pasta at the wall, it's going to stick, it's going to work, it's going to, um, you know, be enough. But I think this time around, it's not enough anymore. And I think we need to really be thinking about how are we investing in technology and, and really, you know, using it to help the workforce, kind of like Jordan mentioned up front. But I think it's really just being stuck in this mindset and being scared to kind of make a riskier investment or like riskier change. Jordan, what are you hearing? Why have organizations been so hesitant to either run at these root causes or think about technology as a solution to those root causes? So when we talk to leaders, but especially leaders from provider organizations, one of the things that's so hard about getting buy-in for these technologies or buy-in to invest in these technologies is the ROI associated with them. Hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of times in healthcare, there's a lot more focus on the I than the R. So a lot more attention is paid to the upfront investment of these technologies rather than the long-term return that you would get from investing in them. Practically speaking, what you're saying is that people are going, this is too much money. Yes. I can't afford to do this now, even though the long-term return, the R, could be quite positive. Yes. And that is especially true with technology because especially in cases where it's newer use cases, maybe the results aren't as proven. Um, it's hard to make that large upfront investment when the long-term return is a little bit unclear. Yeah, that's another thing that I'm hearing is the, yeah, we believe it, but we don't want to go first. We want to wait and see. And I have to be honest, I think that this perspective or differing perspectives may actually exist within the same organization, right? My guess is that, say, a chief technology officer, chief information officer at a health system may have very different views than a chief nursing executive or the head of the HR department. And I'm guessing that if those kinds of leaders butt heads, that can also stall progress. Does that kind of thing come up in conversations that you two are having? That definitely resonates with what we're hearing. I think what we're seeing across all leaders is this kind of reckoning that um, they need technology to support clinicians. The the problems are just becoming too expensive to not try something new, like Allison was talking about earlier. Um, I would say the difference between leaders is more in what they think technology can do to support those clinicians. Hmm. What do you mean? So, for example, we posted a few different roundtables with leaders um, where we talk about what they want technology to do, what they think technology can do to support clinicians, and the things that they think are completely off the table. Like technology either won't support clinicians in that way because the technical capabilities aren't there, or technology won't support clinicians in that way because uh 
it shouldn't do that. There's the technology shouldn't play a role in supporting clinicians in that way. So to make that a little bit more real with an example, um, we talked about whether or not technology can support this kind of, uh, like human connection that is in care delivery, the human touch. Hmm. Um, and what we saw was a little bit surprising to us in that, when we talk to clinical leaders or HR leaders, they were more on the side that technology can play a role in um, adding empathy and adding that human touch to the care experience. Interesting. Not something that we necessarily think of when we think of tech. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, there was a study done where ChatGPT responded to patient messages and was graded as more empathetic than the human clinicians. Wow. They had seen studies like that and saw the potential for technology to help in that way. And then when we've had the same conversations with digital health leaders, they've been a lot more skeptical about the way technology can support clinicians in that way. Which perspective is right? How, or, or maybe maybe there's not a right or wrong. And the, and the more important question I'm asking is how optimistic or pessimistic should health leaders be when it comes to technology and supporting the workforce, supporting a crisis that has not gone away over the last three and a half years and, and obviously existed before we ever had COVID-19? I think there's a lot of room for optimism, but I think you also have to recognize that technology, it's not this silver bullet. It's not going to solve all of your workforce problems. So it's about how can you combine these like new technology solutions that are out there with some of those like standard best practices and like recruitment and retention to really solve the workforce challenge that like is unique to your organization. So I think we have space to be like cautiously optimistic here. Mm. But I really like what you just said, Allison, which is that it's not magic. Yeah, <laughs> It's not a silver bullet. Technology alone isn't going to magically solve all of our problems in part because it is part of a larger system. And I also want to channel the voice of clinicians who have been burned many times before with technology that either wasn't designed for them in the first place or that actually just made their work harder, right? So I guess my question is, if that's if that's the reality for most clinicians, how do we incorporate technology in a way that actually supports them and not just optimizes their workflow, but actually makes their work better, easier, right? More joyful, all those terms that we talk about when we talk about administrative burden and burnout. Yeah, I, was, I think we have opportunities here to really look at technology that can extend clinician reach or improve their work environment. So these are two ways that I think you're really going to be able to kind of combat some of those workforce shortages that we're experiencing. And by like alleviating some of that administrative burden and improving the work environment, you're helping patients get back to providing care to, or excuse me, providers providing care to patients. So I think getting them back to that sense of purpose and kind of showing them that technology actually makes their lives easier and allows them more time with patients doing what they got into healthcare to do. I think that's how you can really get clinicians on board and making sure that these type of technologies are something they'll accept and something that is fitting into their workflow. And maybe that also helps our listeners prioritize the right kinds of solutions, right? Jordan started off by saying there's tons of technologies that we could be talking about here. We had to define it ourselves in the beginning of this research of what's in scope. But if we focus on those two things you just said, Allison, which is extend clinician reach and make work better, that should, at least in theory, narrow down some of the options and make decision-making easier on health leaders. 
Right. And I think if you're also trying to optimize clinician workflow, you have to make sure you're bringing in clinician voices. I think something we kind of touched on earlier was that misalignment among leaders at organizations on what technology should or shouldn't do. But I think there's also misalignment between clinicians and leaders of organizations. So a lot of times clinicians feel like you mentioned, Ray, that this technology actually isn't put in place to help me or like solve my problems. It's only making life harder for me. So if you can pull clinicians into those conversations and those investment decisions, that's really going to help make sure that technology is fitting into the workflow and not just adding more on top of the work that our clinicians already have to do. And then I would add a third thing to prioritize in addition to extending clinician reach and improving the work environment. And that's to also prioritize nurses when you're thinking about how technology can support your uh, clinical workforce. Hmm, Because what what we found when we were talking to leaders is that a lot of the examples they were giving us um, about the ways they've used technology and who they've set that technology up for were physicians. But we know... Can we explicitly name why that is? Because that's that's exactly right. I mean, I've been doing physician research for a long time, and I had been talking about reducing administrative burden and bringing joy back to medicine for the context of physician burnout specifically. But we've been having this conversation talking about clinicians. Why have we only as an industry focused our efforts or or mostly focused our efforts on doctors alone? So I think there are two main reasons. One, the financial incentives of healthcare makes it easier for leaders to prioritize physician workflows because if you make your physicians more efficient, they'll see more patients. That's more revenue for your bottom line. But then There's also the second element, which is more of the cultural um, perception of physicians and nurses. We typically see physicians as partners to the organization, so their needs are met, their wants are prioritized, whereas nurses are seen as employees of the organization. Yeah, they're seen as a cost center. Yeah, exactly. And this has to be frustrating for our listeners. Allison, this has to be frustrating for you to hear as a researcher who's focused on nursing for for the majority of her career. And I also want to name the fact that when we talk about the workforce crisis, isn't the biggest strain still today in nursing and in bedside nursing specifically? Yeah, it's definitely, it's bedside nursing. They're the largest part of the workforce and probably the least invested in, in terms of tech. And I think there's really an opportunity here to look at why is it hard to retain our nurses? And a lot of it has to do with turnover. And we know that drivers of turnover are burnout and nurses not being able to practice at top of license. So if we're able to kind of alleviate that burnout and make their work more enjoyable through technology, there's definitely possibility there to retain your nurses in the face of a workforce shortage. So when you're looking at at retention, recruitment, best practices, I think it's crucial that you're considering technology today. I think this is one of the like major tools that you have in your pocket to be thinking about. Um, and if you don't, it's going to be harder and harder to retain your nurses as more and more organizations are thinking about these things. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break.
The future success of your healthcare organization depends on the strength of your leadership bench, and the time is now to invest in your rising executives. That's where Advisory Board Fellowship comes in. Our 18-month advanced development program prepares participants to navigate complexity, drive transformative change, and achieve breakthrough performance. Over 250 organizations have trusted the fellowship to build their bench with up-and-coming leaders ready to tackle tomorrow's challenges. Learn more by visiting advisory.com forward slash fellowship or by following the link in our show notes. I think there are some direct parallels in the the workforce crisis when it comes to nurses and when it comes to physicians, when it, when it, at least when it comes to using technology. I'm thinking about ambient listening. I am thinking about uh, things that can help reduce, again, this kind of administrative burden of medicine, note-taking, uh, dictation, things like that. But when it comes to clinical work, being a physician, particularly being a physician in the ambulatory space, looks very different than being a bedside nurse. So what specifically can we do to use technology to alleviate this burden among nurses, especially if that's an area where we're still seeing really high rates of turnover, really long time to fill, and really, really high costs that are still earning the attention of the C-suite at hospitals and health systems. Yeah, I think the automation of administrative tasks, taking documentation off of nurses' plates, just like you would for doctors, is something that could make make a big difference here. Um, I think there's also opportunities to take some of the more like laborious work off of nurses as well, you know, thinking about in the future, there are ways to incorporate robots to, you know, take some of that monotonous, laborious work away. I mean, that might be kind of further down the line, but it's kind of time to start thinking about those those potential solutions. And I think virtual nursing is probably the biggest and most talked about opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a way that you can scale nursing expertise across your organization. I think we're seeing more and more nurses are reaching retirement age. And as they leave the workforce, they're taking a lot of their expertise with them. So finding a way to retain them either through these like flexible virtual roles, but then also making sure that they're passing on that expertise and that years of experience that they have to those newer nurses who are in need of that support. Um, I'm not sure everyone in our audience knows what virtual nursing is. Can you tell me more about what that might look like in practice? Mm -hmm. So one of the most common models we've seen is like a virtual expert nurse model where um, you kind of have this nurse floating from afar. She's virtual or she or he is virtual. Um, and they're kind of providing that support or hands-on assistance virtually to newer nurses. So um, either like, a, you know, monitoring vital signs or, you know, providing suggestions to nurses who are delivering care at the bedside physically. Um, but just kind of someone who is overseeing that role. It's also a really good way to facilitate team-based nursing and kind of having those hierarchies of different roles on a team. That also strikes me as something that can help with actual workforce shortages right now, right? That's not just something where I'm thinking about, you know, making the practice and the work of nursing better such that the existing nurses will stay, but that sounds like a strategy to actually stave off real shortages. Right. Yeah. I think it's something we see a lot of our members doing already. It's something that we've also profiled for years and just hasn't been adopted. Mm. And I we're finally at the point where this technology is, is easy to implement. It's something that, you know, we have virtual visits for doctors. We can do virtual nursing um, for nurses. It's, it's something that we have the technology and should be capable of. 
Um, but I think there's just been this hesitation to adopt it for a lot of those reasons that Jordan mentioned earlier about that disconnect between investing in physicians versus investing in nurses. But you said yourself, Allison, that now these are non-negotiable investments, yeah. right? We cannot hire our way out of the workforce crisis. So we need to be thinking about investing in these technologies now. Is that finally being recognized by the market? Is it possible with, a with a, again, I'm thinking about hospitals right now because I'm thinking about bedside nursing. Hospitals are in such a fragile state. They don't have an extra dollar, right? And, they're pro and that's why they're thinking, gosh, can I actually do the I in the ROI and make a big investment now? Are leaders able to follow your advice, which is say, the time is now, we've actually got to make this investment? I would like to think yes. I think part of the research Jordan and I have been doing, it's it's really shown that you can no longer afford not to invest in technology. I think it really is the time is now. If you continue to drag your feet here, you just get further behind your competitors and it gets harder and harder to, I think, remain viable and, and staff in this type of environment. I would also add that one thing that makes it maybe easier for leaders to start thinking about technology as a tool to support clinicians is that uh, clinicians are more open to technology in their work now. Mm. So on one hand, everyone went through the pandemic. There was a huge increase in telehealth visits. I think that was one way that technology got added into their workflow and clinicians saw that it could work for them and it could work for their patients. So that started to change the culture around the way clinicians view technology. I also have felt this change. It was not long ago where if I would bring up this idea of technology, I would get proverbial tomatoes thrown at me. It was like, hold on. It, I will say it was always folks that believed that technology and AI in particular was something that would happen. It was a question of when, not if. But my conversations have changed dramatically, to your point, Jordan, where folks are, are almost kind of demanding this as being part of their daily practice, because that's really what's going to keep them uh, uh, engaged and excited to continue to show up to work. Let alone make their work easier, right? Yep. And that's been a huge factor behind leaders finally investing in this technology, or at least sensing an urgency to invest in technology. Um, because not only are clinicians in the workforce more comfortable with it, but they're increasingly going to expect technology to help them with their with their daily work. So I think the example... Is it a differentiator for employers, right? We're talking about this context of the workforce crisis, and it's not just that people are leaving healthcare. Sometimes they're just switching jobs, switching employers. Is there a world where technology can actually be a lever to try to say, hey, come work for me? because I offer a better solution than my, my competitor or than your, your existing organization. So I would say today it is a differentiator. I think soon some of this technology will be considered table stakes. So the example there is anything that helps with documentation, administrative burden. We know that mm. amongst clinicians um, is what takes them away from patient care. We've already seen a lot of solutions that can take some of the burden off their plate. So things like that will be table stakes. Why would a clinician want to, to handle that burden and, and face all of those clinical notes when they could work for an organization that kind of takes care of that for them? 
this conversation is making me really hopeful about an industry that will finally embrace, because they have to, uh, technology as a necessary uh, solution to advance against the clinical workforce crisis. But one of the most important things I heard from you all is that it is not magic. It is not a silver bullet. It is not a standalone perfect solution. And so I'm, th and I'm thinking about of all the times where clinicians have been burned, not just because the technology itself didn't work for them, but the implementation was actually what fell short. So what do we need to know about the change management behind implementing some of these solutions such that they actually work for the clinicians that desperately need it? So I think the biggest thing there is making sure that you are using technology in a way that clinici clinicians actually want to use it. So mm. we, we've mentioned a few times that clinicians have been burned in the past by technology implementations, but I think it's also important to remember that for a lot of those implementations, the goal was never to help clinicians in the first place. Yeah. Um, the EHR is is the example that we like to use here where it yep. wasn't put into place to make clinicians' lives easier. It was put into place to make data more accessible. Um, and Billing easier. <laughs> billing easier. And so it, it accomplished those goals. And then the, the other downstream effect was that it did put a burden on clinicians. Um, and we can look at a lot of technology investments that have done similar things. So I think the first part of change management is making sure that when you're prioritizing investments, you know what your clinicians want and need from technology. So if the era of a tech-enabled workforce is now, what's the one action step you want our listeners to take to start to unlock the potential of technology and actually address the workforce crisis? I would build off of what we just talked about, and that's if they do one thing, ask their clinicians where they need help. Yeah, and I think I would add on to that. Once you've asked your clinicians where they need help and you've implemented technology to help there, figure out what you're going to do with that time that your clinicians now have back in their day and make sure you're not just doing more burden burdensome tasks that are going to lead to burnout and turnover. Be really intentional about how that time is spent once you've kind of alleviated some of those, those pressures on your clinicians. But you're so right. It's this idea that technology must solve an actual problem. And the problem we need to keep in the center of our minds is the workforce crisis, right? It's shortages, it's burnout, it's turnover. So if we use technology to just increase the burden on our workforce, even if we've reduced the administrative tasks, we aren't keeping that problem central to our business decision-making. Well, Jordan, Allison, I hope to not wait a year to have you on again, although I'd be interested to see what's going to change in technology in twenty at the end of 2024. Hopefully by then we can be done talking about the clinical workforce crisis. Thank you both so much for coming on Radio Advisory. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. In this episode, we talked about lots of different kinds of technologies, but we focused on how they can be deployed for a specific problem. Next week, we are going to do the opposite. I am bringing back fan favorite guest, former head of AI for Microsoft, Tom Lowry. You'll remember he actually helped this podcast win several awards. And Tom is coming back to talk about artificial intelligence and how it can be used to solve many problems in healthcare. We are going to talk about all of the possibilities and 
we're also going to address some of your fears. Radio Advisory is a production of Advisory Board. This episode was produced by me, Ray Woods, as well as Katie Anderson, Kristen Myers, and Atticus Roche. The episode was edited by Josh Rogers, with technical support by Dan Tyag, Chris Phelps, and Joe Schramm. Additional support was provided by Carson Sisk, Leanne Elston, and Aaron Collins. Thanks for listening. Um, but then the other thing is, and I totally just forgot. <laughs> uh, there more. Uh, we were talking about. Um, yeah, I think I think it's gone. <laughs>